0: What's going on, everybody? This is Justin coming to you live from Seattle, Washington. Green Lake, to be exact. Uh, It's a beautiful Tuesday. You guys are listening on Wednesday or later. We got a packed show for you guys. Lots of Zach stuff to talk about. So much happening. They look legit. Uh, Run through the games from last week and then preview you guys for the upcoming heavyweight matchups with West Virginia and Baylor. Uh, Then we discuss a little bit of controversial topic, some would say. Is the WCC legit? A few other topics there. Get you guys up to speed on the NFL gauntlet and we have a special Koopy Christmas special, I should call it, where uh, actually I'll let Koop explain it later. And then we end with Zambi's haiku. So boys, how are we feeling?
1: Hey, this is Jake. Uh, I'm up in... Kenai, Alaska. So apologies if you hear any dogs in the background. That's just my uh, sled dog team, you know, going on a big trek later tomorrow. So they're, they're feeling excited and I'm feeling excited to, uh, to talk some zags.
2: Thanks for the uh, pass off there, Cuba Gooden Jr. I hope the snow dogs are doing good up there in Alaska. I'm coming to you from Ballard, Washington. Uh, Boys, what a day. We finally get to talk some real reactions to some real zags basketball let's go baby
0: yep and we're always joined by our lovely interns daniel cooper and christopher um they're on the line as well but uh with that being said i'm going to hand it off to dan for our sports headlines this week
3: thank you jay page uh a lot of ways we could go here with the headlines plenty to talk about but we're talking zags today baby I have loved Gonzaga from the first time I saw him. I mean, just too much depth, too much size, too much experience, and a winner's mentality.
4: Kispert, waste no time. Buries a transition triple. He's been waiting for that. He feels good.
3: Down. Look at him. Look at the intensity. Kispert, he's got over 1,000 points in his career. Look at Drew Timmy. Oh, Timmy, man. My guy, Timmy. Timmy oh, spins Timmy, left Timmy, and Timmy, does it Timmy. again. Timmy, again. Shot Hell oh, the oh, finish. Timmy, what are we seeing here? Kevin Nagande. McCormick is picked off by IAE. European Real Estate. Oh, yeah, and Frenchman oh. taking care of it. Knocked away by Anton Watson. The lock to the ring for Jalen Suggs. Beautiful feed by Joel.
4: Look at this kid Oh, my goodness, it's you.
3: It sucks again. distracted the defense in a blow-by. The Zags, watch on. Well, if that doesn't fire you up, you simply do not have a soul. The number one ranked Gonzaga Bulldogs proved they're worthy of their ranking, dismantling Kansas and Auburn in the opening week. Boys, we finally got to see this team play... Real basketball. What do we think after our incredible 2-0 start?
0: I mean, I'm fired up, man. Uh, I mean, Thanksgiving Day, 10 a.m., Gonzaga, Kansas, and the Zags come out and they dominate. I don't know about you guys. I was never really nervous that game. Um, I got a, a little I – I inched a little bit closer when they tied it up, but for some reason I was just like, we're in control of this game. They have to play at our pace. We're good to go. Uh, And then we absolutely just smacked Auburn around like their little boys, little sec boys. But uh, I mean, I'm fired up. It was a great, great two games.
1: Oh, I I was so excited from just the opening 30 seconds. Like if we, if we had all gotten together and wrote our dream scenario of Jalen Suggs first play, like the perfect play he could have. I don't think any of us would have said an alley-oop over Marcus Garrett and the technical to cap it off. Like, That was so awesome. I was I was sold for the rest of the game.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you, boys. Um, I think I'm now a huge fan of morning college basketball. I don't know about you guys, but Thanksgiving morning was a phenomenal morning for me. Woke up, had a little Irish coffee, quickly made the transition to a couple of Bloody Marys. Then I even had a Bloody Maria, had a little tequila instead of the vodka. It was a phenomenal morning. The boys brought the intensity. Like Paige said, in that Kansas game, it, it the score was kind of close throughout the game, but it really felt like Kansas was just hanging on by their nails throughout the entire game. It seemed like we were a three or two away from just extending the lead. Ultimately, we put up 102 against one of the best defensive college teams out there. Auburn game was just a victory lap. I'm absolutely fired up for the Zags this year. I They blew away all my expectations. I'm so glad after this long off season with all the COVID protocols, even the day of the game at Thanksgiving morning, when it it came out that we had like three members of our party who were out with COVID protocols, we start the game, start the game now. And we finally got it. We finally got two games. They blew my expectations away. Great year to be a Zag.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll pass it off to Jake real quick, but Jake, give me your gut reactions after the Kansas game.
1: I mean, after the Kansas game, the only thing I think that can, that can topple this team is if a team is just making their threes one night, because the perimeter defense was a little shaky at times, especially in the Kansas game. I think we were just focused on saying like, you know, if they're not a great three point shooting team, we're not worried about scoring. So we weren't too concerned. Uh, But I don't think this team will dip below, like, 80 points any game this season. There's just too many weapons. It's, like, uh, just an arsenal. That's what they should call us, an arsenal of talent. Because Timmy's getting 20, Kispert's getting 20, Suggs is getting 20. And if any of them have an off night, maybe minus Timmy, just we have three guys just ready to fill in for them, like, immediately. So, I I mean – my expectations were already high entering, but now my hand is off the computer screen and it's almost to my ceiling fan. So I am so excited.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you, Jake. Um, You know, typically, a a lot of our friends know this, typically I watch a Gonzaga game and I'm I'm relatively critical. I've been critical of Kispert's, uh, you know, ghosting in the past. I've been critical about our big men, maybe being a little softer out there. I don't really see like a super big weakness in this team. This team is incredibly athletic. They're incredibly fast. You cannot stop us in transition. If you do, you're either gonna foul us or you're gonna get hurt on the court because we have a bunch of bulldogs on this team. This, this is a phenomenal team, gentlemen. Paige, what were your instant reactions to Kansas?
0: Oh, man. I mean, I was like a kid on Christmas morning seeing all of our you know, recruits and our uh, transfers out there. I think what's so special about this team is, yeah, we're starting the lineup of, you know, Suggs, Ayai, Kispert, Timmy and Watson. But then the, the team gets deeper into the first half and, and deeper into the second half. And then, oh, subs are coming in. Oh, sorry. We just have Andrew Nemhardt and, and Aaron coming at your grill again. I mean, there's there's basically no drop off the entire game and you have to play great defense for 20 minutes each each half obviously and then also you have to you have to play great offense as well you have to be able to run with us you have to be able to shoot with us and i mean it, it was it was like a, watching a great system go to work as opposed to like one guy having a phenomenal performance and it was just like damn that was sick
3: i got one thing here Uh, we saw what Jalen Suggs is
4: capable of. Hey, Cooper, do you think that Jalen
3: Suggs should not be in the starting lineup?
4: (laughs) No, I knew I wasn't going to get away with this unscathed, but yeah, you know, hands up. I was wrong. Uh, he far exceeded my expectations for a freshman point guard. And, you know, I like to think maybe he tuned in last week and, you know, heard my, my take and (laughs) that just added a little fire and he just went off. So Hey, you know, that's what I'm here for.
2: Yeah. And to that point uh, with Cooper, Nemhard didn't like That's not a knock on Nemhard at all. He had a fine showing for a point guard. He got 11 points, three assists, one rebound, shot 50% from the field. Nemhard did pretty much exactly what we want him to do. It's just that Suggs exceeded all expectations, and he's already set them so high that his, this guy's just incredible.
3: The one thing that stood out to me in watching Suggs is we saw his ridiculous highlights in high school, like both when he was at Minnehaha and his AAU teams, he's already doing this same exact thing he was doing to high school kids against Kansas and Auburn. Like there is no transition for him. He's already dominant. And this is going to be unbelievable to watch.
2: Yeah. I mean, he set the tone by, you know, his first college points, his first collegiate points. Was an alley oop over the former college Naismith defensive player of the year. And then Sean. flexed on him. <laughs> <He> said, What's <laughs> up, boy?
1: I'm here now. Is is anyone else concerned that there's gonna be more technical calls this year, like the NBA in the bubble because there's no fans? Because that was a that was a soft technical. I think we can all agree upon that. I think yeah, even Marcus Garrett crazy. agrees upon that. Yeah, that called. <laughs> That call absolutely
3: sucked. We even saw one today in another college game, Stanford in uh, North Carolina. But yeah, Jake, I do think refs are going to be too quick with the whistle. And Suggs is just going to let his emotion get the best of him at times. And I think I'm going to love it every time it happens.
2: Yeah, I'm very okay with these kind of technicals. I mean, especially if it's in the first minute of the game. I mean, this team, I don't think we've seen this sort of like tenaciousness or this attitude from a Gonzaga team. And I know we talked about it uh, either last week or the week before or or with our, like, uh, what is it? The page Bulldog players of of the year. Everyone on this team has an attitude that they're bringing to the court every single game. We saw it with Suggs. We see it with Timmy's trash-talking nonstop. We see it with Kispert giving the shh sign to the bench every time he drains a three. This team has attitude. They're playing like a team that's, you know, coming with a vengeance. Love it. Love it.
0: Absolutely. And we're going to jump into some positive takeaways from these games. I think for me, the biggest, most positive takeaway was, you know, we obviously had that three headed monster showing from Suggs, uh, Kispert and Timmy. But everyone else seemed to have a really good understanding of their roles this early on in the season. And there's still a lot of new faces playing together. I'll give you an example. I mean, Ayayi last year was a lead guard for us and he's pretty much taken the role of the third guard now. Um, where he's making backdoor cuts. He's guarding some of the tougher guards. You know, Aaron Cook came here to win a championship, and he's picking up – when he's in the game, he's picking up Marcus Garrett beyond half court and playing great defense. Just just those little things just get me so excited. And, and for me, it's just championship or bust at this point. But that's my positive takeaway from
1: these games. Um, that's – I completely agree. I think my positive takeaway is uh... – I mean, we say this about every Mark Few Gonzaga team is the unselfishness of all the players because I feel like that was one of the possible risks of getting a, a top 10 five-star is they're like, I'm the man, you know, I can just drive and usually get a bucket or get fouled, but not, that's not always the best play. And Suggs didn't only have 26 or 25 points against Kansas. He had eight assists. Like, he's sharing the ball. The, his connection to Yai at the end of the game... To to seal the win, just those little bounce pass cuts. Ooh, ooh, delicious.
2: (laughs) Yeah, couldn't agree with both of you guys more. And just to speak to some of that like unselfishness and and buying into the team, I mean, a guy like a guy, sure he didn't get the points in either of these games that you know maybe he's capable of. But Kansas, nine rebounds, Auburn, seven rebounds. He's still doing his thing on the glass. He's gonna grab he's gonna finish at Gonzaga the leading like rebounder of all time by a lot. I don't think anyone's ever going to catch him. Uh, You even got Suggs participating in the rebounding. So this, this isn't a team that's just all about offense. They're buying into the few program. Um, And you know that I could easily say that's my positive takeaway. I'll go somewhere. I'll go somewhere a little different. I'll say uh, Drew Timmy's versatility on offense is just (laughs) <laughs> a nightmare for anyone trying to guard him. I mean, David McCormick is a grown-ass man physically. And, and Timmy was just drop-stepping him, spinning around him, step-backs, jumper. He even had that little fadeaway jumper with a buzzer that got called off, which was Dirk Nowitzki-esque. I mean, that was just – Timmy, his his versatility on offense, phenomenal. Phenomenal.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And just to, just to kind of run off of the Timmy note, he looks quicker. He looks like more slippery and it is, it is great to watch, but um, I guess, you know, after this week, we, we can have a little bit of concern. I mean, we're all pretty ultra positive. We're all, you know, giving maybe a little bit of an overreaction here, but I think for me one area of concern and it, and it might come up, it might not. It's just the lack of overall, interior depth timmy's great uh watson's doing his job as a like a flex hybrid forward but they're both not you know traditional centers which we're so used to at gonzaga and that might come up down the road versus iowa and and maybe even byu with harms um so i guess that's that's my main concern hopefully Ballo can get up to speed but that's my biggest concern right now
1: yeah that's that's definitely true because if this team didn't have Um, the backcourt depth it does and not just depth but best talent in the country I think we could fall very easily into the same like Sabonis Wilcher year scenario where like Sabonis is just a stud but when he's out of the game you're just like oh god oh this hurts (laughs) um I I think for my weakness I would like to I I don't know if it's it's I think it'll fix itself but i'm gonna call it out this week i mean 30 from the three not not great showing um a weird amount of airball threes like was anyone else like
2: what nemhard okay, Nem hit the rim
1: <laughs> yeah nemhard what are you doing like um uh, but i mean he makes up for it and i love our seal drives he we like we can just dis- send any guard driving into that lane and Watson and Timmy or Watson and Bolo will just set a lane. It's just like the Notre Dame offensive line out there. So I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I'm going to point out our three point shooting.
2: Yeah. Before, before I get to my area of concern, we got to kind of discuss ballo a little bit, just because I know it was a hot, hot topic in our group chat during the first two games. I personally felt like it, like, I get it. And I, we're nitpicking at our concerns here just because there's so many positives. We can't give you guys all positives and not bring up any sort of critiques with our team. But Balo is, I mean, he craziness in the kettle wasn't a fluke. He is raw, dude. He is very, very raw. He kind of looks like he could be a turnover machine. Um, he is a physical specimen. He got his block. I think he got a rebound or two um i know dan dan was kind of our correspondent keeping uh ballo in check dan what did you see
3: um i saw a lot of what what you are uh, saying there he definitely is raw we got to remember that was his first time playing college basketball um he does he's very turnover prone but i think he is just a little too aggressive he's used to just being able to dominate everybody in front of him and he can't do that at this level and he you know at times he kind of forgot that like guards are still around and they're going to reach in and steal the ball from him. And he's a little clumsy and a little uh, uncoordinated it appears at times, but I think there are a lot, there are enough good things there. And I just believe in the staff and believe in the process of the season that he's going to develop and be the guy we need him to be come March, April, May, whenever the hell the tournament happens.
1: Yeah. I think he has a nice arc. Right now I agree. He's raw. He's like cookie dough. He's raw, but everybody loves him. Ooh. now eventually maybe he'll turn into a nice chocolate chip cookie that can get some work done and then next year he becomes the cookie monster that we all know he's capable of becoming.
0: <laughs> from wow. the dough he rises from the dough he rises whole
2: <laughs> hero's <laughs> arc right there.
5: I like it. I like it. All right, well
2: I'll give I'll give my last my last area of concern Jake alluded to it earlier in the podcast is our perimeter defense. Again, like the rest of our concerns, they're not necessarily concerns, but we're kind of just nitpicking at something we noticed in the first two games. Um, I personally think that this was Fuse kind of just defensive scheme. If either Kansas or Auburn had any chance at beating us, I think it was the three ball. And so we were kind of going to let them try doing that. I mean, Kansas has guys who can slash and score at the rim. David McCormick had times where he was – just bigger than Timmy and able to score on him. Um, and so I would like to see our perimeter defense uh, clean it up in the future games. I think teams like Iowa could take advantage of that. Uh, Baylor certainly could. Um, but again, I do think just for these two games, I think we were probably letting, if, if those teams were going to beat us, we were going to let them do it by the three and not just give up our interior defense.
3: Yeah. I think uh, one thing on the defense Uh, Slipper still fits Had a cool breakdown about the way we were switching everything on defense. So the amount of communication involved in, you know, getting out to the right three pointers and just the fact that these guys haven't played together yet. So if this is going to be our scheme, we're going to kind of rely on that defensive versatility. I think that these things are going to happen. There's going to be breakdowns. We're going to give up some open threes. But if you really think about the ability of our defenders, I think everyone can, can defend and lock up when they absolutely need to. And I expect that that defense is just going to get better and we're going to have times where our defense will, will win us games. So that's the optimistic side of the defense.
0: Definitely. I, I read that as well. It was a great write-up by uh, Stephen Carr. Um, really cool overall. Definitely go check it out. And I guess we'll just move on. Jake, you have the floor here. Uh, educate us on our, on our uh, matchup for our listeners this afternoon.
1: We're, we're taking this way out east to the Smoky Mountains of West Virginia. We're looking at a classic Bob Huggins team, currently ranked eighth in Ken Palm, um, strictly a defensive force. They have some nice offensive components. They're returning four of their five starters last year, led by Miles Deuce McBride, which I just got to say, that's an awesome nickname, uh, sophomore guard. A classic, almost, you know, um, oh, was it Jared? Or God, who was the... Javante Carter, right? Javon Carter. Javon no, Carter, thank there's you. There's no K at the end of that. <laughs> on the, on the Suns. So just a typical hard-working guard who Suggs now has to go from Marcus uh, Garrett to McBride, which is just two of the probably top defensive point guard matchups in the in the whole league to contend with and then timmy might have some trouble we got 610 Derek culver down on the center He's averaging 15 points 10 rebounds a game i mean this is bob huggins himself has says he himself has said he thinks this is his most talented west virginia team he has ever coached um so we're don't sleep on the volunteers is all i'm gonna say because I know Baylor has a higher rank, and they should, but West Virginia will not back down. They're not as scared of challenges, and I think it'll be a very good game against them tomorrow.
2: I'll, I'll provide a quick little counter to, uh, to Jake's fair hyping of West Virginia, maybe, in that they only beat South Dakota State by eight points earlier this year. They've also beat VCU by 12. And then they barely beat Western Kentucky by six points. This team can't score the ball. They can't play offense. They don't know how to play offense. They will not play offense. They, they average about 76 points a game. We're averaging 95. Granted, it's only been two games, but we played against Kansas and Auburn. Not that Auburn's great, but Kansas is one of the best def- defensive teams in the country, and we scored 100 on them. Even if we take a slight dip, Against West Virginia, nothing, nothing in our game against Kansas or Auburn led me to believe that we can't like break a press. Our ball handlers would panic, almost like Josh Perkins used to panic with the press. I don't think Suggs, Ayai, or Kispert is going to do that. Nemhard's not going to do that. Our guard, we have formidable guards that will break down a press, and I, I'm not, I'm not really worried about West Virginia. That's kind of weird to say when they're ranked 11. I think we should be a little bit worried. But I think after what I saw against Kansas and Auburn, I'm I'm feeling very confident.
0: Yep, I'm in the same boat as Zane. Um, I mean, I, I'll get to it later. I really only think there's one or maybe two teams that can stand a chance against us this year. And I'm not even trying to be cocky. But, Jake, continue.
1: I mean – I, I completely agree, and also apologies to my any West Virginia fans. You are the Mountaineers, not the Volunteers. Um, I, I must have been thinking of Tennessee, who we were playing in the Jimmy V before, so <laughs> that's my fault. The notes weren't updated. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I get where, what you guys are saying. We should be able to handle the press well, but I'm just saying, gritty teams, it's hard to put away, and we'll have to have our foot on the gas the whole game. I see this as, like, you guys have seen the movie Troy, we're Achilles, they're Hector. They're both great, but one is clearly better, and that's the Zags. So uh, we're going to go into a kind of new segment we're doing for any upcoming Gonzaga games. We call it the Zags win if, and then the opposing team wins if. So, uh, Zane, the Zags win this game if
2: if we do exactly what we did in our first two games, I don't think anything needs to change at all. I think we win if our guards are able to handle the ball well, break any sort of press that West Virginia throws at us. I think we're just as pesky, if not more pesky than them. Our leading rebounder is our one of our guards. So I feel like, you know, just as pesky as West Virginia is, as long as we just do exactly what we did in the first two games, I think we'll be fine.
1: Okay, I'm going to give you the the flip side immediately, Zane. The Mountaineers win
2: if. The Mountaineers win. Well, I could just say if we don't do exactly what we did last game, but I'll get a little creative here. The Mountaineers win (laughs) if if what we saw from Jalen Suggs in the first two games was a fluke, which I don't think it is. I think West Virginia will win this game if our guards prove that they can't break a stronger press than what Kansas or Auburn showed against us. Um, yeah.
5: I like hey, it. Fair
1: enough. Jay Page, the floor is to you. The Zags win this game if.
0: I mean, say, I mean, just to kind of reiterate what Zane said, I mean, just keep it up. I don't think they have – again, I think I mentioned this in our group chat. I don't think they have the dogs to keep up with us. Um, at the end of the day we've got like you know six seven potential NBA players and we're rolling them out of you at all times West Virginia has some talent but at the end of the day they're gonna need rest uh, in the game they could get into foul trouble things like that so I think if Gonzaga just plays their game they win
1: okay flip side again the Mountaineers win this game if
0: the Mountaineers win this game if Drew Timmy gets into foul trouble. And you highlighted a bit in the preview. They obviously have – is it Derek Culver or Jarrett Culver? I forget his first name.
1: Derek Culver.
0: Derek Culver. They also have Oscar Shiboy, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Who are two very large men, great in the post, play really well off of each other. And if Timmy gets into foul trouble – we really don't have a good defense for that other than if we start pressing or we double down immediately into the post, uh, maybe from the guard side as opposed to the post side. But other than that, I think Gonzaga should win. But West Virginia could certainly exploit that. if um, I'm sure that's in their game plan to just go right after Timmy on defense.
2: Yeah, I, I just, just before we get away from Paige real quick, obviously if Timmy does get in trouble – at the point at this point in the season do you guys think we immediately fall back to ballo or pavel i'm assuming ballo's currently ahead in the depth chart just based on what we've seen or do we go uber small and drop watson down to the 5 and bring in nemhard or cook
1: i think you go uber small and you just trust an offense
2: yeah
0: per, i think you got to put put in ballo i think it a not only for his development, but those two guys, you, you need some length on them, regardless, because that's where they're going in their offense. Besides, you know McBride, um, those guys are going to get their touches. So at the end of the day, well, I love Watson and Kispert, but I don't think they're going to put up a particularly strong fight against those two guys. So I I think you at least need to give them a fight down there. Personally, at least at least with you know, maybe throwing Ballo in there to guard Culver, whoever gets the first touch most of the time.
2: Yeah, I I tend to agree with with Paige. I think it definitely depends on what the situation is. If it's super, super close with like two minutes in the game or three minutes, I don't think Ballo's on the floor just because we can't have turnovers on offense or he just doesn't touch the ball on offense, which would be kind of funky. Um, But yeah, I mean, kind of a little off topic. It is kind of crazy that we just have two seven-footers just sitting on our bench ready to come in at any time. And they actually do both come in in garbage time like we saw in Auburn. If you're Auburn's bench players and you come into that game and you're finally able to get <laughs> the floor against the number one team, oh, wait, there's two seven-footers down low. Could you do that? That just sucks.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Like, yeah, our, our victory lineup this year is going to be crazy. Like, follow Zakharov, Strother, Harris, and then maybe we'll pull in Will Graves or something.
0: <laughs> Definitely. But, Jake, with that being said, what what bet do you love for this game?
1: Ooh, what bet do I love? Well, I'm going to love the over for all of the Zags games. Um, the Auburn one was set a little high, and I, I did not hit that one. But the Zags, we just play so many possessions that even if the defense you're playing is – stout like west virginia's is or kansas's is or baylor's will be you just get so many tries and any bad shot by by the opposing team is going to lead to a quick bucket most likely by the zags or if it's not a bad shot their bucket goes in and the over is still looking nice so i'm always riding over and i'm always riding the spread with these zags because as we all know good teams win Champions covered, and so Gee, far, I do want to call out everyone on this podcast for not hitting the eighteen point spread against Auburn. What was that, gang? You backed <laughs> out. You backed out
2: hard. Eighteen <laughs> seems so high for cool. like another like reputable team.
1: Huh, huh. But you got to have faith and a slight addiction like I do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think an eight-point spread for this West Virginia game, hammer that. Hammer that all day, all night.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I think the game was too early. I like to make my my bets the day of. Mm. And that was just too early after Thanksgiving, you know. The, the family has a lot of fun on Turkey Day. A That's bit. fair. That's fair. Can you don't
2: want
1: to mix gambling and drinking.
2: What time did you wake up? Uh, on the Auburn, the Auburn game day.
5: Yeah. I'll be honest, I didn't set an alarm, and I woke up at eight thirty.
1: <laughs> Shame! I had to wake up at six thirty Alaska time. It was ridiculous. I'm like, what, 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 what time is this? Too early.
0: <laughs> yeah, mix that in with the Alaska darkness, and you're just in a oh, weird yeah. universe. I had there. like
1: six hours before the sun was coming up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Great preview, Jake. Really looking forward to Wednesday's matchup. But I think I speak for the rest of the podcast when we can acknowledge the fact that Saturday is the heavyweight matchup. This Saturday, our Gonzaga Bulldogs will be taking on the Baylor Bears. Now, you hear Baylor Bears, so you might not be thinking, that's not a traditional, you know, blue blood. Why is this the heavyweight matchup? Well, it's because of who they returned this year. Baylor's returning. A lot of their starting lineup, especially in the guard section, um, a few question marks uh, in the front court. But let's let's talk about their guards for a second. They return all Big 12 guard uh, Jared Butler, who's an absolute bucket. He's a little bit smaller, uh, but the dude shoots 40 plus percentage from three while being the main ball handler or one of the main ball handlers. Uh, He's really good. He should have gone to the NBA. He was definitely considering it this year. He's going to be our main concern, and I'm really excited to watch Jalen go against him. Then that brings me to Davion Mitchell, who played a ton of minutes last year. Uh, great defensive guard, and he was, uh, I think he was in the running for defensive player of the year in the Big 12. Um, so that just kind of speaks to their depth depth at the position. Um, they also returned Macy Oteague, who was a great transfer for them. I can't remember what school he went to before, but he definitely exceeded expectations. Great shooter, just a great third piece right there. Uh, They did graduate Devontae Bandu last year. Bandu, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, But they have a new transfer on their roster named Adam Flagler, who they're really excited about right now. Now let's get into their front court. This is where I think Gonzaga will actually have an advantage, and that's definitely something uh to be said considering we're playing the number two team in the country. Um right now there's probably starting uh Mark Vidal at the four, who Gonzaga probably remembers fondly after his performance in the round of 32 matchup back in 20, I want to say 18. No, 19, early 2019. Uh he's a hustle and grip player, only 6'5, but he's very strong and actually pretty b- bouncy for his 250 pound frame. Um He plays great defense, but when they get to the five, this is where there's a little bit more of that question mark I was referring to before where Drew Timmy can go to work. Uh, They have a guy named Jonathan Chama Chachua. I'm totally spitballing here. I think that's how you pronounce it though. Uh, A transfer, another big man. Um, They also have a guy named Flo Thamba, who I think is the starter. Only played nine minutes last year coming off the bench. Um, I think they're both a little raw, kind of just more space fillers as opposed to, you know, running through an offense through them. But regardless, they have depth, especially at the guard position. I think they're the only team that can really match up with us at the guard position. They might not have as much talent, but they definitely have guys that can play. And I'll be honest, guys, this is the one team that could be cutting down the nets at the end of March, April, May, as Dan mentioned, um, besides us. In my honest opinion, Villanova's right there, but – with that being said, Jake, I'll hand it off to you. Gonzaga wins if.
1: Um, I, I think Gonzaga wins if Drew Timmy just stays out of foul trouble. I think as long as he's getting his, like, 20-plus points and dominating the, the middle, um, I think we'll do, do just fine. It'll maybe cause some of their guards to have to try to double – which will just leave our perimeter wide open. Um, so I think, honestly, yeah, if we just play similar to how we played Kansas, which is, you know, easier said than done, I guess. We, we, we should, like, we should win by probably only like five, I'd say. I don't think we're going to have, you know, Zach Rob make an appearance in this game. I don't think we're clearing the benches.
0: Yep. It's a great point. And then Baylor wins if.
1: All right. Um, Baylor wins if uh, they need to be shooting. I'd say they need to shoot above 40% from three this game uh, just to keep it close. Uh, they do have the guards that can run with us. Um, and then they they have to somewhat limit Drew Timmy. Which I th- think they should be able to. I don't think the uh, interior defense is their strongest aspect, but if they can limit Timmy to under twenty points while shooting over forty percent, it it'll be, I think, a, a coin flip.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Alrighty, Zane. Gonzaga wins if.
2: Mm, all right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little a little bit uh, off the deep end here. I think Gonzaga wins if. Nemhard and Cook combine for 18 points. I think, as we've discussed, Baylor's guards, they have very good guards. Um, I don't necessarily think they're going to stop Jalen Suggs, Kisper Ayai, uh, and Ayai, but I think they're going to slow them down a little bit. I mean, it's tough to say that when Kansas had such good good defensive guards as well. Um, and so I do think that defensively, that was like kind of a, a really good um, preview for Baylor. But I think Nemhard and Cook are going to have a big role in this game. When those Baylor guys come off the bench, uh, or when the Baylor guys go to the bench, I should say, the guards go to the bench, that's when Nemhard and Cook are going to go to work. The difference between Gonzaga and a lot of teams in the country right now are that, you know, some teams have great starters, just like us, a lot of teams have, have really good starters. But we have a phenomenal, phenomenal bench. And so if Nemhard and Cook can just give us some production, if they give us 20, this is an easy win. If they give us about 18, I think, and I'm thinking Nemhard he he can get 10 pretty easily. Cook's the guy that I'm really looking at to kind of step up uh, with his point production. But that's where I'm going to go. And and that mostly goes to just, can our bench score in this game?
0: I like it. I like it. And then Baylor wins if...
2: Baylor wins if they can just start draining threes. If they can shoot 43%, they beat us from, from three-point range. I don't think, I, yeah, obviously, yeah, Timmy, if Timmy gets into foul trouble, I mean, that's going to be a recurring theme all year. If he gets into foul trouble, I think we're going to be in trouble. Um, but I think, like we said before, the only way teams are really, really going to, like, keep up with us is if they just can swap threes. Um, Baylor kind of has the ability to do that. And so if they can shoot really well, then, uh, then we could be in trouble.
0: Definitely. And and just to run with that. I mean, we, we all read the piece on slipper still fits. Just mentioning that again, Gonzaga has the type of defense where we can either shut them down because our switching is on point or they will light us up. And it's a little scary, but at the end of the day, I think it'll be a mixed. I hope hope it's more in favor, obviously, of us switching better, but you just never know. These guys don't need a lot of space to shoot, for sure. Uh, And one more quick note about Baylor. Um, Shout out to our intern, Dan, for pointing this out, and I forgot to mention it. But uh, Mr. John Jakus, he's an assistant coach with Baylor, was formerly the director of operations at Gonzaga. So there's a Gonzaga connection there, as well as bringing on a very, very special Zag, Rem Backimus. Uh He is a GA of some sort. I'm not sure what his exact title is, but he is on their staff. So a nice little Zag bowl a little bit. You know, it's, it's fun to always connect with guys, um, you know, on the national scene. It's pretty cool That's one versus two, and we got Zags on the other side regardless of what you think of Baylor. But my favorite bet for this game, needless, do I even have to say it? Hit the over. Are you freaking kidding over. me? Both of these teams can light it up. Whatever they put out there, they're going to score more. Not only – it's a perfect nightmare for Vegas because where are they going to put it at? Or whoever you're, whoever you're gambling with. Because at the end of the day, these are probably the two fastest pace of play teams in the country. I mean, the sky's the limit. They should put it at like 250, just so that oh. and then I'll and then I'll say bet the under. But then, <laughs> regardless, I don't think they will do that. But regardless, I think this is going to be a super high scoring game, and um, it's going to be a lot of fun.
2: Page, let me give you an over under, and you tell me if you would hit it. All right. Mm-hmm. One
0: seventy-eight point five. Oh, over, over.
2: Whoa,
1: whoa. I think each team can
0: score at least 90 <laughs> a
2: points. Lot of points.
0: Just think okay, so Kansas runs a bit of a slower offense traditionally, and they scored 90 points against us because that's how fast we get into our offense, and that's how fast we pick up the pace of play. Baylor plays very similarly to us in terms of they just have guards that are athletic and they, and they like to get out and run a little bit. I just think I think it's a match made in heaven for over people who love the over.
1: That's true, but the danger is if any team pulls ahead, they will hold the ball and it'll turn into the Auburn game, where you're like 15 points short of over.
0: (laughs) I don't think any
1: experience.
0: But that's all right. Um, Anywho, that was our Baylor preview for this week.
1: Can I do one last shout-out? I mean, if we're talking Baylor Zags, we got to just call back Brandon Clark's performance the last oh. time we played Baylor. 36 points in March Madness to get us to the Sweet 16. Oh, such a dominant performance. I think, did, did he tie the record for most points in a game in, in March by a Zag, or did he beat it? Ties March, sounds more likely to me. In I March think, by a Zag? Yeah, in, in the tournament in the NCAA 36.
2: Tournament. Dang, this would be a great button. Jeopardy question. Oh, this is who would you guess has the most? Morrison. Morrison. Yeah, I could see like Goodson being up there.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Wait,
2: what was the question?
1: Which zag has the most points in March Madness in a game? In a game, right? Yeah, single game points. Uh <sighs> I know Clark's tied for first, or possibly
5: first. I feel like it has to be Morrison during that crazy season that he had. Like, what was that, 2006 or something? I'd probably say Morrison.
1: Regardless, I mean, that was just the perfect game you could have had. I think he shot – I think he only missed like two shots. I have the answer to the question.
2: Okay, hit us, Dan. Were any of us close first? (laughs) Yeah. It was Morrison for sure. Brandon Clark, 36.
5: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Clark, nice. So,
1: yeah, (laughs) all we need is a 36, you know, 90% shooting output from Timmy, and no problem. Yeah, there are only, like,
3: I think three or four players that will be playing in this game that played in that game. I think Butler was there. Um mark mark vital was their leading scorer had, i think yeah or maybe, maybe their second leading scorer but he he played really well if i remember correctly we got him in early foul trouble and they had zero oh, answer for us defensively
1: that one play where like literally clarks is spitting around him and his hands are straight up he's like i can't do anything yeah so <laughs> vital is vital for
3: the bears that was very easy there um but uh cory kispert also played well in that game too so you this did. will be this will be a, a fun freaking matchup that I think we might see more than once this year. Ooh, championship. Ooh, I
2: like that. we will see Dan. you there. Indianapolis yeah. yeah. one, again. One last, note. Again. <laughs> one last nope. note for me is that we kind of discussed like a couple of the weaknesses, maybe for the Zags, and it was interior like size, maybe just because it's it's Timmy, and then and then we got Balo and Pavel. I mean, Baylor kind of has the same issue in their own regard. They don't have like phenomenal size and they don't have phenomenal depth with their size. So I think this is a very even matchup. I I love this matchup and I can't wait for it. Saturday, morning game again. 10 a.m.? Yes, sir.
0: Nice. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And that segment was brought to you by Elia Koteco Hot Sauce and Spamoni. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, boys, there was a lot of college basketball this week. And if it's one thing that gets on our nerves, it's when random BBN, Big Blue Nation, Kentucky sports fans, say that Kentucky doesn't play anybody. Well, They do. Long story short, they do. And I don't know if anyone wants to pick this game off, but there is one game specifically that comes to mind to prove that Gonzaga actually has, you know, some sort of competition, not just high school basketball competition. I'll hand it off to Jake. What game stood out to you in our beloved WCC this last weekend?
1: I mean, I think I got to pick the lowest hanging fruit. It's just like an apple the size of a boulder right here. <laughs> uh, it's it's the Dons taking down number four, Virginia Cavaliers. Um, after going into halftime down to the Cavs, as expected, the Dons dropped 40 points against the Cavs in a half. I think they made more three-pointers than the Cavs even attempted. And it was just a gritty win by a very – I mean, I think we've always known – the Zags at the Dons like are a hard team to play. Like, even last year when we were like half the year, we were spent like ranked number one. All those USF games just gave me a heartburn. Like, we, we played them three times, right? And I think the highest we beat them by was like seven. And it was, it was no cakewalk anytime. Great team basketball. Uh, I think the Dons, I hope the Dons have enough now if they get if they don't lose a lot of games in in the WCC they could be an at-large possibility in the tournament because obviously they're not winning the WCC or the WCC tournament because we're in the way but good for the Dons beating a top five team
2: great great for the Dons beating a top five team I'll I'll bring up another team that had a, a thriller this this weekend against a ranked opponent Uh, Pepperdine, the waves gave it all they had against number 22 UCLA, who has got to be the most overrated UCLA team I've ever seen. I know Dan, Dan loves them, but, and and sure, maybe they have a couple of injuries here and there, but boy, oh boy, they do not look like a top 25 team, at least in their first two games. But boys, Pepperdine has got some fight in them. They've got some scrap in them. Oh, and they got a guard named Kobe Ross who can just casually put up 33 points in a game. Um, granted, you know, Pepperdine ended up losing in uh, triple overtime. They really just ran out of gas in that game. I would say uh, at, the end of reg- at the end of regulation and then at least the first overtime, to me, Pepperdine looks like the better team in that game. Uh, ultimately, UCLA just had more horses, I think. Um, pa- Kobe Ross can only do so much, I think. Once UCLA took him out of the game, there wasn't too much more Pepperdine can do, but I think Pepperdine, you know, Romar's got something cooking down there. Kobe Ross is legit. I don't think he poses a great threat to Jalen Suggs, but I mean, he's, he's, he's legit. He's, he's nice.
0: Definitely. He's definitely a good college basketball player. He's going to give you however many points he's a problem, but, um, it was, it was great to watch that game, you know, even though I'm not going to say it, I'm not going to say it, but someone might have jinxed our, uh, our oh, spread bet for that, for that night. I don't That's know if, if that person wants to up to it.
2: Yeah, I'll load up to it right now. The beginning of the third overtime. Okay, anyone who watched that game quickly found out in overtime that it was ugly. This was ugly, ugly basketball. The balls were being thrown out of bounds. Uh, I think UCLA had seven seconds in the end of the game and it was tied and they're trying to run a full court sort of play and just threw the ball across the court into the Pacific ocean and turned it over back to Pep Pepperdine and Pepperdine did absolutely nothing with it. This is a horrible game to watch. Uh, At the beginning of the third overtime, I texted the boys saying, screw it. Take my money. UCLA. I can't watch this game anymore. And UCLA immediately ran away with it. Uh, Hand up boys, hand up. That's on
1: me. I I was, I was on a six and O streak. And you just ruined all my luck. I probably would have been a millionaire at this point because the streak would have been able to continue. And it's all on no, you, afraid. Zane. That game
3: oh, was on uh, Scott Van Pelt's bad beats last night, boys. I don't know if you if you caught that segment, but that was a really bad beat. <laughs> Let's just say that.
0: Horrendous beat. And the whole country can put it on uh, Zane's shoulders because it was looking good. For two overtimes, I was like, hey, just bow out, lose by three, we're all good. Oh, they get smacked. But I'll keep the ball rolling here. One last WCC team. BYU gets absolutely dominated by USC. Now, I'm definitely one who thought BYU would be a little bit better. Um, maybe it was just an off day. I don't know if you guys watched it, but they're definitely not hitting their shots. They, they would have. Open threes, open twos, uh, maybe even some putbacks that they just missed. Tough to watch. Uh, The Mobley brothers looked really solid on USC, followed by some solid guard play. Um, But besides that, I mean, it wasn't a great look for BYU. I think they will rebound. They have other opportunities to play good teams besides Gonzaga. Hopefully they'll get that resume up. But not, not a great game to watch by any means.
2: I know that we're technically supposed to like want BYU to do well. Nope. um, When like, you know, to help the WCC and to help us ultimately. I I think we're beyond that. I don't think we need their help anymore. I think we're good enough on our own. I personally don't know why we expected to be be expected BYU to be the second best team in the conference this year. They lost so freaking much last year. Anyone who watched that USC game uh, today really saw how unathletic BYU is on the court um, there, we are going to smack BYU this, this year. It will not be close. I think USF and Pepperdine have a better chance than BYU.
1: I mean, I don't think anyone has a chance against this in the WCC, but I would agree. Like, like BYU, just when they, they got bullied like physically and they, you just Sexually. saw like they didn't have the heart and they didn't have like the TJ Haas, those like annoying his long-range threes to keep them in the game. but uh that Goldilocks looking guy uh, uh, I hate him. I, I don't even know his hit name. I just hate him.
2: Despise him. Um. Yeah. I know I know it's not WCC, but one more game I just have to bring up because we love talking about our huskies up here. you guys see the husky game today? 40, oh, 42 husky. points in a full regulation game. Against two? Cal Riverside. UC Riverside boys.
1: Boy. Well, they're a powerhouse of of, of that local community.
0: So. (laughs) Is that the. No, that's not the Anteaters. I don't even know what their mascot is.
3: I don't either. I think they're just like. Are they just like a generic grizzly or a bear or something?
1: (laughs) Maybe they're just like the Washington football team. They're just Riverside.
0: (laughs) Uh, they're, They're the UC Riverside Highlanders.
1: Huh. Uh, That's a game. cool mascot. I'll give that. Dan should have you known know that. That's on nope. Dan. Nope. That is on me.
3: Normally, I could rattle off the nicknames, but Riverside is not a school I've ever spent any time thinking about because they have zero. They're not relative in any athletics whatsoever. So the fact that Washington lost to them is a joke. And if you remember when we found out that the Zags Washington game wasn't going to happen because of the Pac-12 scheduling issues, like you had all these UW people saying, "Kentucky's oh, scared to play Washington." Yeah, we're oh, scared to play God. a team that scored 42 points in a losing effort to UC
0: Riverside.
2: Dude, they would worsen our strength of schedule this year. They're going to worsen everyone's strength of schedule that they play. They stink. They are horrible.
0: All right, all right. I have a question for the chat. Who wins UW versus WSU? That's a great
1: game. That's a terrible great game, but that's a great – (laughs) maybe throw Tarleton State in that conversation because (laughs) – We do love talking Tarleton here. Dude, everyone's playing Tarleton. Tarleton's <laughs> schedule's up. They play Gonzaga, <laughs> then immediately they play Kansas. You got to give it to them. They're scrappy. They're
2: Ooh. new
1: to the so we got to welcome them to the region.
2: The real question is, what's more competitive? The WSU-Washington uh, game or this week's Battle of Portland? Portland State going against Portland. Coop, who do you got? Oh.
5: <laughs>
4: got to love that. A nice Vikings-Pilots matchup. <laughs> but I, I think I'm going, I'm going with the Vikings, you know? Uh, maybe – I know my roommate's a UP grad, so maybe we'll get a little uh, rivalry going for that game. But yeah, give me the Vikings.
1: Hey, um, I mean, this isn't just for Portland. Apparently, Alaska, whoever wins this Portland matchup on that college map goes to them. I'm like, I don't oh. think I've ever met a Portland State fan.
5: I wanted our listeners to know here, I have thirty dollars on Nichols State plus fourteen against St. Mary's tonight. So stay tuned. Very nice,
3: That's
5: a great bet. That's
0: a great bet considering they suck, but <laughs> well, let's they, keep did not, boys. they did not
4: look good against Santa Clara. So
0: <laughs> yeah, no, they did not look great at all. But uh, it's all good. Let's keep this ball rolling though. WCC theme. Going to hand it off to intern Coop here for his special Christmas segment.
4: Thanks, Paige. Well, yeah, kind of sticking with the WCC theme here and incorporate a little uh, Christmas magic. We have a little segment where we will be assigning WCC teams their Christmas movie equivalent. So to kick things off, we have Pepperdine. And for Pepperdine, I was kind of thinking that underdog, lovable loser, you know, kind of deal. I mean, a lot of us are Pepperdine fans. We, we can all agree that Stacey Davis, uh, you know, balled back in his day.
2: Stacy Davis.
4: Stacey Davis, got to love it. And so with that, you know, I went just friends. Great movie. You got Ryan Reynolds in a fat suit. The, <laughs> the, <laughs> the chick in that movie, total bombshell. Uh, yeah, watch it the other night. It's a great, great rom-com. Kind of maybe maybe on the fringe side but of Christmas movies, but I I still I still consider it you know a Christmas movie. So yeah, just
2: friends. All right here. Let me let me let me see if I can save Coop's analogy here. It's it's Pepperdine because there's only one star in that entire movie, Ryan Reynolds, and Pepperdine only has one star, Kobe Ross.
4: I, I, said. Think, I feel like there's a couple like big actors in that movie.
1: Um I'm looking at the cast list. I would disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: who's, the, who's the director? Is it a Lorenzo Romar type? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I, I, I don't even know. <laughs> you got, definitely you got not a Anna famous Harris. actor. You got
4: the guy from American Pie. Not like not like Total Big Dogs, but hey, it, it adds up, you know. You got your one star in Ryan Reynolds and then a couple of
2: uh,
1: Oh Anna sports. Ferris is in it, I guess. That's the next biggest star. <laughs> yeah, Anna a- Ferris,
2: definitely a Romar type. Hey, she's from Seattle.
4: <laughs> so yeah, that's <laughs> so uh, and then moving on to we have USF. And so for uh, San Francisco, uh, I thought wild card here. You know, they're a team that, like we saw, can beat Virginia, can be a top ten team, but they can come out the next week and lose to Portland. So you never know what you're getting, and with that, I don't think there's a movie that fits this team better than Die Hard. Just you have t- you have a school that thinks it's a Christmas movie, another school that thinks
1: it's not a Christmas movie. What are our thoughts? I guess when you frame it like that, I could see it, but I feel like we're giving way too cool of a movie to yeah. San Francisco.
5: Yeah,
2: Die Hard, great movie, San Francisco. I mean, you know, back in the day, they were they were solid. They have two titles. That yeah, is that's true. Uh, Die Hard's an
4: older movie.
2: Yeah.
3: So. I don't think it, it's that old. <laughs> <laughs> I have an idea for uh, San Francisco, but I, I don't want to get in the way of what you might have elsewhere.
2: Don't, no, don't, don't, Dan. <laughs> but we'll honorable also... mentions at the end. Well, okay.
4: yeah, we'll open the door for honorable I'll mentions. It. I'll save it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, moving on, we have BYU. And oh. BYU, of course, um, mentioned this earlier, but no one likes them. Got to be the Grinch. <laughs>
5: yep, yep.
4: I don't. I Perfect. No. <laughs> Are we saying that money. we don't like like
3: people don't like the Grinch, or
1: I like well, the Grinch
3: as, I, as I, a movie, or I, that BYU is just the Grinch?
1: I think the character.
3: Yeah.
4: I'm going okay. character before. He goes like full circle and is all about Christmas. He's the guy that comes in, spoils just like BYU does. They spoil our senior nights. They they find a way to beat us once a year. Yeah, okay, cool. So the the Grinch the character, but overall the
1: movie, like I wouldn't say that that's a bad movie if that's what we're trying to Yeah, I'd what, say that's a pretty
2: One of Jim movie. Carrey's best. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I like to think of BYU as that new Grinch movie that I haven't seen, but just looks <laughs> terrible.
2: Oh, yeah. It's not bad. <laughs> That's a good one. No. Dan, of
0: course, that's the movie you've seen.
4: (laughs) (laughs) It's a good
3: one.
0: Oh, boy. Uh. And then
4: last but not least, we got um, St. Mary's. And no, is going to ruffle Zane's feathers. But I was thinking, you know, St. Mary's, they're always that team that you think could make it a good game against the Zags. Never do. We always absolutely destroy them. And so, with that, you know, Christmas movies that I thought were going to be decent but ended up sucking were all the Vince Vaughn Christmas movies. Oh. So, Fred Claus, Four Christmases, absolute dog shit Christmas movies.
2: Oh, Fred Claus? You don't like Fred Claus?
4: Get Fred Claus off this fucking list. Oh my mm.
2: God, Coop! <laughs> Blasphemy!
1: I don't think I've ever heard someone defend Fred Claus with this. Fred Claus of anger. is
2: hilarious.
1: JCH, have it. you seen Fred Claus?
0: Yes, I have. I like him.
4: Okay, not a not a Fred Claus guy. Vince Vaughn. Oh. He needs to stay uh, out of the the
0: Christmas I entertaining. Uh,
1: I think of St. Mary's <laughs> as those weird claymation like Rudolph <laughs> ones, where everyone's like, "Oh hey, yeah, let's good. watch it," and then you're like five minutes in, and you're like, "This is terrible."
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs>
3: Not the claymation Rudolph. The claymation Santa Claus is coming to town. That was Oh, Rudolph very is
1: good great. point. Very Rudolph is great. Always great. Yeah. And every, there's always one borderline creepy character, just like St. Mary's.
2: The miser. But, the miser twins, or whatever. Oh, um, oh, what is that called? A year without Santa Claus. Yeah. Well, that's a really good movie, but those twins are <laughs> freaky. <laughs> yeah,
5: they are.
4: Who? <laughs> who would the Zags be in this Christmas movie comparison? Oh.
2: Put him I on the spot.
4: It's got to be Elf. You know, you can watch them over and over again. I don't think Elf ever gets old. Probably the most quotable Christmas movie. Always had A modern
3: s- movie, too. Zero hesitation. I like it. I agree. I like that. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'll tell you what I was going to say for USF. USF <laughs> is like the Santa Claus trilogy. Santa Claus 1, Santa Claus 2. Really good. Santa Claus Three absolutely sucks. So, USF might be good, or they might be absolute dog shit. So that's where I was going.
5: Yeah. um, I basically as looking at the WCC uh, teams here, I do have two quick points. I will say, I think the Zags are Rudolph, the old claymation, because we started from nothing, but now we're here. We're leading the sleigh. Zambia, that's
2: nice. <laughs> <That is>
5: nice. <laughs> and uh my second one, uh it's a little bit more relevant in previous years, but I'd say BYU is Krampus because they're always trying to ruin our Christmas.
2: Mm.
5: Just a bunch of demons. Get the hell out of here, <laughs> BYU. I'm oh done. <laughs> nice, nice. I did, well, have
2: you uh I, I had a comparison for BYU. Um and I, I can't kind of came to head my head when Cooper was talking about crappy Vince Vaughn movies. Everyone knows I'm a big Adam Sandler fan. There is one Adam Sandler movie that is just horrendous. Uh, I know, I know, just one. Um, BYU got to be Eight Crazy Nights. That is just the worst. What I think that's a hilarious worst movie ever. Hilarious. is that, that <laughs>
1: a Hanukkah <laughs> movie? Or? Well, yeah, it's the same
2: same time of year. Same time uh, of year. Uh, what, 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 what do
1: what we say in here? In here? We 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 saw. We, <laughs> Yeah. Well, you oh, talked about Christmas movies. We're Maybe giving the Mormons the Hanukkah movie and said holiday movies.
2: <laughs> well, they're okay. Okay. We all know where I was going with this one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know,
0: Zane. Uh, all right. Well, on that note, great segment, Coop. We'll, we'll put out a Twitter poll and see what people think. <laughs> On these movie comparisons,
2: we'll leave eight crazy nights off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Might leave that one off. We'll see. Whoever's this deep into the episode, if you comment or you tweet at us, tweet at us. Eight crazy nights. We'll give you a prize to be to be announced. However, we're we're moving. We're switching gears here. Moving segments. We have the NFL gauntlet coming up, but. I am going to take the place of Zambie's Corner. Surprise, guys. I just want to give a lovely shout out to our, to the one and only John Rothstein, who ranked Gonzaga number five in his Rothstein preseason poll. And not only did he rank us number five, but it was right before the news about Andrew Nemhard got released. And then he changed us, oh, not to number one, not to number two, not to number three, oh, to number four. So, John Rothstein, I thought you watched college basketball. Guess you don't. Um, that was embarrassing. And now we have the NFL gauntlet this week. So just to give everyone a clear picture of what's going on, um, last week both Gilman and Dan got their second strikes, and Zambi stayed alive. Everyone's hitting with two strikes right now. And I'm going to <laughs> – I'm going to hand it off to this week's first overall draft pick, Daniel and Serpy.
3: All right, here we go. No time for messing around. Took the Cowboys last week. Didn't work. This week, (laughs) saving this team. Give me the Packers against the Eagles.
1: Lock it in. Not worried. Oh, God. I'm glad you took them, Dan.
0: (laughs) All right, Jake, you're on the clock.
1: I mean, yeah. Yeah. That I, I agree with Dan. That was the most obvious pick. Um, I wouldn't have picked them still. I just want to make that official just because my hatred for them burns even brighter after last Sunday. But um, I'm going to take uh, my, I'd say, elite team that I, I've saved up. I'm going to go the Ravens over the Cowboys on a Tuesday night uh, thanks to the COVID delays. I don't. I I think even RG three could handle this team. No offense, Coop. This team is bad.
2: <laughs> good pick. Good pick.
0: Nice. Already. Anyone, anyone
2: think Gilman's just trying to stay alive a little longer, picking the Tuesday night game? Hey,
1: Ooh. you know you
2: strategize how
1: you do. Ooh. I would pick the Raiders against the Jets, but they already screwed me this week, so. <laughs> yeah, bad, bad week for the yeah oh my
0: god
5: <laughs> all right Zambi. yeah so uh following suit with gilman i've been saving a few of my powerhouses for late and i would like to point out i feel like the nfl is bending over right now for the ravens a wednesday night game that just makes no sense to me like <laughs> the steelers had to forfeit it, like a week for covid now they're just like oh actually we'll just keep pushing it back leading into the next week but my pick is the chiefs over at the broncos mm. sunday night prime time mahomes that's, time that's a pretty safe pick
2: <laughs> wait the broncos have some really good quarterbacks right now though i think don't they uh the,
5: the second spirit of spokane Brett rippon yes <laughs>
2: <laughs> broncos Great.
5: all their quarterbacks
3: will be back this week correct they will Shout out to Kendall Hinton. What a performance that was.
5: Yeah, that was impressive. Shout out to that guy.
3: Hey, that's grit. <laughs> that is grit. Yeah, I, honestly, what are we doing when we all tie here? Because I don't think we're going to lose.
2: Oh, yeah. What if everyone loses, though, like this week or like the next week? What do we do if that occurs? Ooh. I think we just have to go the next week, right?
1: Just sudden death. I guess that doesn't
2: doesn't feel right. That doesn't or, not make sense. Or I was thinking
1: we... if if we all somehow lose, or if one person gets eliminated this week and the next week two people lose, um, then we each have to pick like not just the team but the spread. So then it's more likely you'll lose. Oh, I think you guys should just get tattoos. <laughs>
5: Hey, what? we're still waiting on you, Cooper. We're still waiting on you.
1: Yeah. it's a good point. Man, remember when Cooper lost like six weeks ago? That's crazy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, we do need to uh, figure this thing out, though, because I, I, th- I think a tie is very likely.
2: What if you have to pick uh, just the spread for the games currently? You just give your gut reaction right now for the spread. That way it's like at least two things.
5: Well, Ooh. we already picked.
2: Yeah, but I'll give you the spread for that game, and you say cover or not. Ooh, okay. I
5: like that. All
2: so, right, so Dan, for the Packers, according to ESPN, that's what we're going to go with. Mm-hmm. ESPN currently has it at 9.5 for the Packers.
3: Against that putrid Eagles offense? Uh,
5: at home, Lambo, what's the weather <laughs> we got here? Uh, what happens if it's a push?
2: It, I mean, it's... 0.5 so it can't
5: well i mean i'm i'm looking at my spread i'll just give you a 0.5 yeah give me the pack cover,
2: cover? all right jake ravens are at n- not not listed <laughs> oh good good jake
1: no <laughs> so that sounds like that's a money line i'm taking the ravens <laughs> you
3: you should have to just say that they will cover whatever the spread is
2: Ooh.
1: Sure, I will. The Cowboys suck.
2: All right. <laughs> He's locked in. Uh-oh.
1: Can't wait. Zambi- Sorry, Coop. We have the Irish.
3: <laughs> Be a nice 14-and-a-half, Jake. It's going to suck. It, it won't matter.
5: It will not matter. <laughs> I, I Speaking
2: of 14-and-a-half, that's what we'd have to put Zambi at. No pushes. Wait, so it's a negative push? Yeah, why, why don't you s- give
5: him
1: 13-and-a-half? Hashtag free Zambi.
2: All right, Zambi, we'll give you 13 and a half. All right. Ooh, you. on the house.
1: Wait, yeah. so I'm confused. Is this, <laughs> is this for this week, or are we doing the spreads this week?
2: No, no, we're doing it. So it's just your team, but in the case of a tie, this gives it a more chance that you don't get both.
1: No, there's no way our team... So Dan and I not only picked our teams to win, but to cover. If our team <laughs> oh, lose, of course they don't cover. <laughs> No one catches. Until- <laughs> I don't know. I was confused with the, this from the whole beginning. <laughs>
3: That's funny. Okay. We should pick the we game. Should we
1: should cut this segment. It was
3: <laughs> what
5: we God, God. No, no, no. no. Here we go.
3: This will be the tiebreaker. Patriots, Chargers this week. It's a pick em.
2: Oh, I like that. I, I like that. I like that too. Patriots. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Give me the Chargers.
2: Ooh, go Jake's going to. Bet- <laughs> Anthony
3: Lynn kill him. Zambi? Zambi, Pats or Chargers.
5: Wait, um sorry, I got zoned out. This guy's telling me hot sauce right now. No, um, no
2: pick Patriots or Chargers.
5: No, <laughs> well, Patriots or Chargers. Uh I like what Cam's he's pissed. He knows he's playing with very minimal money. He wants another contract. I'm going Pat's. Oh.
1: Oh man. I hope we all lose, but the Chargers win.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Well, tiebreaker decided upon. It's big news for us. Um, Best of luck to you all. Too bad Zan and I aren't in it anymore. And we're still waiting on Coop's tap. With that being said, I don't think we have much else holding this incredible segment back. Zambi, you have something for us tonight?
5: I do have something. Um, I don't know how many of our listeners know, but I like to make my dates kind of fun. And so this week I am going with, it's a limited COVID approach. You can't really do too much. You can only dine outside. And you know, I'm not going to take a girl just to go get drinks outside in the freezing cold. And so I'm pulling the bachelorette card. And so tonight is hint number two. I bought a blank card and I'm going to write a haiku for the hint of Tuesday. This will be happening on Thursday. If you guys are interested, message the podcast and I'll give you the lowdown on how it's going to go. But my haiku goes as follows. You'll want to dress warm. The state might not be the norm. Thursday's perfect storm. Wow.
1: <laughs> man, anyone I'm else? Scared. Anyone else? This are you uh, are you Drake's Ghostwriter man? Like
3: <laughs> <laughs> the possibilities are endless. Wow. <laughs> oh man. Yeah,
5: that took me like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, that was oh, that was man. smooth. That went down smoother
2: than... Wow. My pants know. are already off.
5: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys know who it is. You guys know who it is.
2: <laughs>
5: oh. Oh. Who's Electra. the lucky lady? Uh, it starts with an E. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Well, not, yeah, uh, we don't okay. that <laughs> No names. No
3: names. Just like go to the order. We leave that
1: stuff
0: out. <laughs> I forgot about that shit. All right. <laughs> well boys great episode i love that the zags are back i know you guys do too um, but we got some big matchups this week wednesday and saturday and uh, hope to see a few of you guys coming up that being said though we'll uh, we'll catch you guys next week too blue
3: let's get it the let's zags